Sweet Talk presents a special podcast series, Chefin, with host Chef Jason Knapp. Welcome to Chefin. Hey everyone, this is Jason Batalden. And hey, Paul, you're here with us today. How are you doing? Fine. I am doing fine today. Um, how are you doing today, Jason? You know what? I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine. It's uh, We're getting into that holiday season, so I'm getting some excitement at the same time, but also that kind of dread. You know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, oh, yep. I got to get Christmas presents and I got to get, you know, figure out what the menu is and all that good stuff. And so I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. I, 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 it's coming on quick. It's coming on quick. Um, you know, and we all, we know all, all of us are thinking about, you know, family dinner that are doing Thanksgiving and all the stuff we have to prepare and stuff, but segue. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And that's true. Cause, uh, Paul and I, what we're super excited to do is to introduce to you, uh, introduce to you, um, a brand new podcast in our, uh, sweet talk brand. Um, Paul, do we have a brand? Uh, it, we've been told by Gary that, that it's a brand. <laughs> <laughs> so we can say this. I can legitimately say this. Look, we've got a really, we're, we're starting a brand new podcast here at Sweet Talk. Uh, it's going to be a, a special series um, and we're super stoked to have it. And so some of you uh, might even be a little bit familiar with our, our host of this new series. Um, it's uh, Chef Jason Knapp, and he was in our season three, episode 29 podcast. Uh, that one's start, uh, titled, It All Started at the Waffle House. So just Google Waffle House and, uh, on our site and you'll, you'll find it. Um, and so if you haven't had a chance to hear that podcast, though, you definitely want to check it out because that was a great conversation. But um, Jason Knapp is the, the host of the show, and he's got uh, an expertise in this area. Um, he was a sous chef and executive chef for uh, Governor Mike Huckabee at the Arkansas Governor Mansion. Um, he was also an executive chef for Pulaski Technical College, as well as the University of Central Arkansas. And then uh, did some work with Blue Cross and Bruce Shield with their health and wellness dining space and has spent the last six years or the last most recently serving. I hope I didn't just lie, Jason Knapp. He'll square me away. Uh, but most recently serving as the Cisco Foods Culinary Specialist. So with that say, Chef Jason, uh, we are super excited to have you on the show, have you a guest with this new show. And uh, we absolutely believe we got the right person leading the charge. So, so Jason, I've only got one thing left to say, and that is welcome to Chefin. Awesome. Hey, thanks, Jason and Paul. I appreciate y'all with the intro there. And yeah, you're uh, spot on with all the stuff that you said there. Uh, it's probably the nicest thing people have said about me in the past couple of weeks. So um, yeah, we decided to do Chefin. Uh, thanks for listening. We're going to just go over food, food, food service, what's happening in the industry, what's been going on, what's not been going on, that type of deal. So it's going to be fun, exciting. Everybody loves food. Everybody loves people uh, watching people cook food. Now we're going to hopefully all you listeners out there are going to love listening to people talk about food. So uh, I have as our guest today, a great friend of mine, uh, Tali DeMine. You know, just like when I was a chef and I would hire a sous chef, I'd always hire sous chefs way smarter than I was. And so all of my guests are going to be way smarter than I am. So it's going to be uh, awesome. It's going to be a pleasure to welcome uh, this guy. So Chef Ojan Bajer is from Houston, Texas. 
so he went to Art Institute of Houston there and then worked at Brennan's of Houston. So sister restaurant to the Brennan's in New Orleans. Uh, was the sous chef there, got all the way up to that and then went out on his own as the executive chef of the Houston City Club. Uh, then from there, uh, jumped into Cisco, I believe, as a marketing associate or a salesperson. And then after a year doing that, became uh, one of the culinary specialists there in the kitchen. And he'll talk more about that. And now he's been there 13, what, 12 or 13 years at Cisco uh, doing that. And what a great ride that's going to be. So I want to welcome Chef Ojan Basher. Well, thank you very much, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Paul, for letting us uh, or letting me speak. Uh, my favorite topic, that's food. I could go on and on about this, but uh, uh, I just have to give you a little bit of that Waffle House thing right there, Jason. Oh, man, I saw you laughing. That's pretty classic. <laughs> it all started at the Waffle House, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, we all it's start going You'll be back there. <laughs> hey, I've been there a few times. Uh, and, you know, I was there as the cook for the night shift, and that's typically when I go revisit the Waffle House, the night shift, right? So, um, yeah, it's uh, my food was much better uh, <laughs> if you can have good food there at the Waffle House. Uh, but maybe Waffle House will be a sponsor. Hey, Waffle House, we're here for you. So, right, there you, go. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome, man. Hey, so welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Great to see you. Uh, Ojan and I have got some good personal history, good uh, professional history as well. So Ojan, I've got some uh, just on the fly questions here. So on the fly being kitchen terms, right? So anything that just happens, just spur of the moment on the fly. So uh, you just tell me, we're going to do one or two. You tell me your answers here and then we'll circle back and see why you picked these. All right. Okay. So you ready? Yeah, I'll go, go for it. All right. Rice or potatoes? Rice. Rice. All right. Cast iron or stainless steel? Cast iron. Cast iron. All right. Two knives that you can have the rest of your life and career, what would they be? A uh, chef knife and a scimitar. Oh, a scimitar. Fantastic. All right. Boxer or Great Dane? Great Dane. Uh, I knew you did this uh, All right. Uh, dessert or cheese course? Cheese course. Ribeye or strip? Ribeye. All right. Favorite kitchen utensil? Wow, you stumped me on that. There's Ooh, yeah. It's like hard to point out one. I know. Um, one. Uh, let's say peeler. Ooh, ooh, very nice answer. All right. <laughs> Drummy or flat wing? Drummy. Oh, yeah. I got to pull your man card if you don't say drummy. Two-door <laughs> or four-door Jeep Wrangler? <laughs> Two-door. Two-door, okay. Thor versus Darth Vader? Thor. Thor, all right. And then my personal favorite question, Chicago or Las Vegas? Las Vegas. Oh, Okay. All right. You, you went through those, only stumped you on the one. So, uh, so we'll go back through them here. So you picked rice. Why'd there's you pick so rice? many. The, well, let me just say, there's a lot of history with each one of these. <laughs> so you sat down for a while and you said, how can I do this? Here it is right here. You just, uh, I did. I mean, you're my good friend. I, I, I know a little <laughs> bit about you. So figure I'd pull some of the stops out here. Right. Okay. So what you got? All right. So, so tell me why you picked rice over potatoes. Okay. So a, 
your name is DJ White Rice. <laughs> all right, so uh, you that's, wait. <laughs> I, I have wait, to right. say the story. All right, so you, you got to do it. Fast. Okay, so every time we went to uh, uh, Chicago or Las Vegas, we would take like uh, an Uber, but the Uber was like a bus. And so everybody would sit down in there and uh, Jason would always sit next to the, uh, the radio and he would plug in his phone and he would just be the DJ. And he would play song after song, change it from here, go to here, go to here, go to here. And so we, we donned the term DJ White Rice because you know, he stood out. Uh, there goes the white rice. And then he was the DJ. <laughs> Everywhere we went, it was like, if we yelled out DJ White Rice, he was the only one that turned around. I mean, once you get a name <laughs> called that, you got it. I've been called much worse than DJ White Rice. That was like a compliment. I mean, so <laughs> we just had to go with that. Okay. All right. So rice, that was a two-parter. Okay. So other than that, why would you pick rice as the food over potato? So I'm Middle Eastern. And so rice is part of every family gathering you can have five different uh sauces or stews or meat entrees but rice is always one of them in that kind of cuisine so i can make rice a hundred different ways and long grain basmati royal jasmine you have so many different varieties of rice it's just i think there's more you can do with rice than potato from my culinary uh thought process no you're spot on man and that's exactly kind of what i want this show to be all about too is that you know everybody's background is a little bit different i mean i could have somebody that grew up right down the street from me but they could have been from you know iran or iraq or wherever and they have a totally different outlook on food than i do we can have the exact same ingredients and have something totally different come out of the kitchen so i love that i think that's awesome um all right so cast iron or stainless steel you went with cast iron I love cast iron pans. I think they give you a nice, better sear than anything. Um, and always you can, you know, teach the younger culinary warriors in the, on, on the hotline that always have the towel in your left hand. So yeah. <laughs> because if you don't, you're going to learn real quick. That cast That's iron right. pan gets hot all the way through. A, a, a dry towel in the left hand. Not a, a dry towel. towel. I'm sorry. A dry <laughs> towel. But yeah. uh, it, it, uh, it, it radiates heat, heat all the way through. So that's a nope. good point. But uh, Spot on with you there. I'm, I'm 100% on cast iron. Um, <laughs> I love to take a good soapy sponge and really scrub all that stuff out of the Oh, cast you iron crazy. Too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never touch that. Never touch no. it. Wipe it out. All right, so the two knives. He got me on the scimitar. She said chef's knife, which I get. So uh, for the audience who don't know, chef's knife is typically what you are going to see in everybody's hand, whenever they think of a knife, that's the image that comes up as a chef's knife. They come in different sizes. But then you picked scimitar as well. So I I love cooking seafood. And seafood is one of my, my uh, go-to. And when you're filleting fish, just as you have the scimitar curves, you can get so much, uh, a better yield when you're filleting fish. Uh, a lot better than, you know, say I've seen some people cut a piece of fish with a chef knife and it looks like they used a butter knife. They mm -hmm. it up. So at least a scimitar with the curvature of the blade and the way that it's a little flexible, you can get in there, get in there underneath the gills and get all that meat out. And that's the name of the game. It's how much you can sell, not how much you can throw away. 
Right. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with the, uh, the Persian background at all. Well, right? A little bit too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I thought but, so. Playing, <laughs> playing fish or cleaning meat or cleaning lamb, whatever. I've always used a scimitar. I love that. It's a great point too about how much you can sell and not how much you throw away because that's the other piece of, of being in the kitchen, you know, whether it be at home or whether it be professionally, like you've got to have uh, product and product costs money. And so everything yeah, especially you have, nowadays, I, I mean, mean it's... really, it's like, goodness gracious, you can't go to the grocery store without spending a couple uh bills there. So yeah. yeah, that's great. You know, get all you can out of it. All right. So next one, I knew you were going to pick this on the boxer, a great Dane. How many, <laughs> you have one great Dane right now. I have one great Dane and yeah. enough because this boy is six and a half years old. He's 182 pounds. Gosh. Uh, I named him Cyrus the Great Dane, you know, <laughs> very nice. Catch, uh, but when you said boxer, I'm like, okay, Jason's got a boxer, yeah, I, he knows which direction this is gonna go. Yep, he knew where it was going, yeah, but my, right. yeah, he, he's just a big couch potato, you know, yeah. he, he'll sit on the couch like a human, <laughs> <laughs> That's which awesome. is the funniest thing to see. <laughs> it's giant pony of a dog on the horse. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, all right. So dessert or cheese tours? Do you want cheese tours? I think, well, I'm not a, I don't really have a sweet tooth. I'm pretty, you know, partial to different types of chocolate, more on the kind of earthiness of it rather than the sweetness. I love fruit desserts, but when you talk about cheese, you could talk about something that's sweet. You can talk about savory, soft, hard, aged, and then you pair it with different things. So therefore you can pair it with you know, your sweet, your honeycomb, or, you know, some sort of uh, uh, confiture, or I, I love to take candied pecans and cook it down with shallot and puree it and make almost kind of a spread that I can put on that will complement different types of cheese, any kind of blue cheese. Uh, and then plus with cheese, you can smoke it. Uh, you can cold smoke it and change the, all the characters about it. But at the end of the day, a chocolate bar is a chocolate bar. Yeah, see what I'm talking about, folks? That's why you always have somebody on who's way smarter than you are. It makes me look so much smarter to have somebody on here talking about smoking cheese. Isn't that bad for your lungs? So, all right. So next we went with ribeye or strip and you went ribeye. So I'm here in Houston, Houston, Texas. We're in ribeye country. I love the ribeye just for that spinalis, that top cap. That is the best part. So if I could only have that in a 16-ounce portion and screw the rest of the ribeye, I'm in good shape. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. That top piece, for people who don't know, you know, uh, what the spinalis is, so Chef described it really was just the top piece on there. So you have the ribeye steak that's, you know, rounded at the bottom, and it comes down to that fat tail at the uh, – around at the top, fat tail at the bottom. It's just that one little strip on top of the ribeye before that – that fat kernel in there, and that is the best piece of the ribeye there. I'm I'm with you on the ribeye and the spinalis, but I think I'm more of a strip guy because, just like to your point, Arkansas is ribeye country too. I mean, nobody orders a strip in Arkansas. And so yeah. I, strip kind of has that, it's going to bite you back a little bit. You know, it's got a, got a little firmer bite there. So I went with strip on just me personally, but I can totally see the spinalis. It, it's a uh, that's the winner. only reason I went with the ribeye was because of the spinalis. I get it. The, the cap. I love it. Yep. That's, a, that's good. All right. So you said, I stumped you on favorite kitchen utensil. 
And you had to think about that because there's only about a billion of them out there. So, yeah, exactly. And you went with Peeler. I'm excited yes. to hear why. why. Why would you say Peeler? So with, with you know, the advances uh, that they do with uh, uh, utensils now, you have a peeler that I can not only peel with, but I can make thin strips if I want to do a cucumber or a carrot or celery and make kind of like a tossed salad with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can use the, uh, the peeler as a mandolin if I want. Nice thin strips. Um, it has a better yield than you using a knife to peel something. Absolutely. We're all oh, good with man. knives, but at the end of the day, if I'm peeling a potato with a paring knife, I'm throwing away about 25% of my profit. Yeah, typically when we walk by somebody in the kitchen that's using a knife to peel something, that's when we're stopping being like, whoa, wait a minute, buddy. This isn't your money. <laughs> Obviously, you're throwing away here. It's our money. Yeah, it's uh, that's a great choice. I wouldn't have thought you said peeler, but I totally see why. What What would you say? I just want to, you know, what would you say? I probably I probably would have said spoon. Just uh, like a, a like a, a larger spoon that I so can. So you can you know, taste everything. Yeah, I taste everything, flip everything, like just yeah. you know. Because as, as you and I know, you know, whatever you mess up, you have to clean. And so I'm the one. We have a friend that would use these. Hey, he will be on the show. And that's the. I bet he will. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Well, Chef Ben, you're going to be with the tweezers pretty soon. Yeah. What a said spoon, man. Uh, It's good. Uh, Not as good as a peeler. Uh, Drummy or flat wing. That's kind of a throwaway there. You know, the, some people like the second joint, the first joint. I prefer the first joint. It, I think there's a little bit more meat on it. It tends to have a uh, more of the uh, white breast meat uh, texture to it. And I'm just a wing junkie. I love chicken wings. And right now it's through the roof. All your wing places are adding on uh, like a, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, they're charging more an upcharge. I'm sorry, an upcharge. Yep. So uh, yeah, uh used to have 50 wings for 50 bucks. Now it's 50 wings for 70 bucks. <laughs> if you can find anybody that has wings, that's, that's yeah. yeah. So, and really you get more of the caveman effect with the drummy too, right? I mean, that's what I like, like kind of bite it off there. It's like a little, yeah. you, you know, instead of father, Jason Knapp, you're going to be caveman, Jason Knapp. I like it. Okay. Caveman DK definitely Rice. wore uh, tunics like this, didn't they back in the day? Yeah. Um, and this one is another personal uh, jab at Ojan here, which doesn't matter to me anymore. But two-door or four-door Wrangler. I knew that he's a Wrangler <laughs> fan. He and I both had Wranglers at one time, and then I, I went back to my Arkansas roots and got a truck. But he has yeah. a sweet uh, two-door Wrangler. Yeah. And it, it, I bought it in 2012, and uh, over four years, it took me to build it up to what I wanted it to be. And finally... That's my baby. He, he, his name is Thor. <laughs> so I got, uh, uh, it's funny. My wife bought me these lights that when you open the door, it kind of, it has a Thor's hammer that comes out onto the ground when you open it. It is sweet. He's Thor. <laughs> He's parked in the garage. He's my weekend warrior. I take it out on the weekends and have fun and, you know, uh, things like that. But it, it, in addition to the price of the vehicle, I put another probably 10, 15,000 into it, turning it into what I wanted. So well, you can't you can't name it Thor and have it be some type of run of the mill. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. <laughs> you're okay. Have the right. big tires. You gotta have the yeah. five inch lift kit. Yeah, that's right. It's got to be a pain, right? And, <laughs> and just to say, a real Jeep is two doors. Okay. All right. I was waiting on the stab there. All right, because mine was a four door. Yeah. So all right. So speaking of Thor, 
We did go uh, into that there. So I know you like uh, Thor, and obviously uh, we're all Star Wars nerds. So yeah, you thought Thor versus Darth Vader. Why would you say Thor? Well, um, I picked Thor because of the, the Jeep question you had prior. Yep. And I've always liked Thor as a, uh, a hero because he has a story. He was actually a part of history. Whereas Darth Vader, just a, hey, he was Darth Vader. Just a George Lucas, here you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I had a dream last night and I dreamed of Darth Vader. There you go. That's the dark uh, but, father right there. Okay. All right. That's cool. I was thinking, I was kind of seeing Thor with the, you know, with the hammer and then Darth Vader stopping it and like all the stuff. So I, I'm curious if the force could lift Mjolnir, if the force could lift the hammer. I, I don't, you know what? Hulk couldn't even do it. So let's see. Ah, that's true. All right. All right. And then the last on the, uh, on the flat questions is Chicago or Las Vegas. And you went Las Vegas. We had a lot of fun in both cities, but Las Vegas really takes the cake, man. All right. Yep. We were there for so, five days, and we probably slept 20 hours. So we uh, we used to go on these trips to Chicago and Las Vegas and do the National Restaurant Show, and then we would also go to the Global Gaming Expo uh, with Cisco, representing Cisco, and going there and setting up the show, working the show, and showcasing everything that Cisco had to offer, uh, and then what's trending and, and what's it's, uh, exciting right now in food. And it was a core group of maybe 10 to 12 of us uh, at the bigger one and then a smaller group at the smaller one. And you can imagine, I mean, just like any other tight-knit group, you know, you work hard, you play hard, and we had a good time in both cities. That's for sure. Yes, we did. Yeah. Well, good. That's great. I love the uh, on-the-fly questions here. Excellent job. Uh, you, you get a billion bonus points that are worth nothing. Right. So good job. We're excited about that. Uh, so we're really just kind of jumping here to uh, you and and what makes you you? And so just like every chef's personal favorite thing to be asked is, what's your specialty? It's no. <laughs> like asking, which kid do you love more? <laughs> I know. I know. I love it. I've got a big smiley I, I, face. I get that question all the time. And I always, you know, I they ask me a question like that and I answer it with a uh, vague, even broader question. It's like, I cook seafood. I love seafood. Perfect. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you know, from there it goes to, you know, what kind of seafood? Well, if you want fish, because at the end of the day, a cow's a cow, a lamb's a lamb, uh, chicken is chicken, but fish, you have so many different varieties. Colder water affects the, the way the muscle fibers are in the fish. Uh, colder water typically, uh, typically has more fat content, more flavor. Uh, and I mean, there's over five, 500 different varieties of snappers. So I've always been a seafood guy. That's awesome. Now, I've had a big, the smiling, laughing emoji beside that question, because that is, of course, it's what, you know, the typical person asked a, uh, the food service person, what's your specialty? Like, well, especially yeah. in a position like yours, which we're getting into is like, gosh, I have to be, you know, kind of good at everything. <laughs> you yeah. know? So I really don't have a specialty there. So, all right. So, uh, background there, you know, um, we, you've been in uh, Houston your entire life, right? Entire life, yeah. Yep, that's awesome, man. How would you say that Houston has affected your cooking? So Houston is a big melting pot right now. Um, you have certain areas of the town where, you know, uh, southwest of Houston, you have a, more of a Pakistani, Indian uh, influence. 
Then there's part of uh, Houston where you have a lot of Middle Eastern restaurants. Then you have our Chinatown, which it is what it is. It's Chinatown. They have Chinese, Vietnamese, uh, Thai, Korean. It's just a huge melting pot. And like anything that you want, you can probably find a restaurant in Houston that will satisfy your need. So let's say one night you want fried chicken, but oh, I want Korean fried chicken. Yeah. There's a restaurant for that. Uh, you want a sandwich, but you're like, oh, I want a hot roast beef sandwich. There's a restaurant for that. So uh, awesome. it really affected my cooking as I've been able to experiment a lot with the, the restaurants and try out different types of uh, cuisine. And I myself grew up eating Middle Eastern food my whole life. My mom uh, came to this country in 76. And at that time, there was nothing. I wouldn't say nothing, but probably 15 to 25 percent of the ingredients that they used overseas were here. Other than that, she was making her own cheese she was making her own yogurt uh all the specialty spices were hard to get that you know at that time she was getting them uh shipped over here from family um especially like saffron the good saffron that's cheap too right it, it iran has largest saffron uh export so what happens is they'll sell it to spain spain will sell it to everywhere else and they'll call it uh, it'll be called Spanish saffron, but it'll say packaged in Spain. Ah, okay. There you go. Um, but you know, going back to affecting my cooking or inspiring my cooking, I get to play with everything. And if I want to try it, I go there. What's the harm? You know, you go to a restaurant, you have a bad experience, you don't go back. But if you have a good experience, then you're like, oh, I'd like to learn more about that menu, that cuisine, that type of cooking. And that's, you know, typically where you take it and eat a lot. And that's how, that's why I look the way I look. <laughs> is that why your beard's so big? Is that what you mean? Because that's yeah, pretty, I'm covering I, up the, I the three to, chins I got down here. Maybe I can, uh, <laughs> does that work for the top of the head too? I see you have a full head of hair. You just choose to look like me because you just think I'm very good looking, but obviously you uh, have a full head of hair right there. I'm, I'm pretty jealous. I have of a full head of hair, but it's all, it's gray right now. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's right here? It goes all the way up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I lived in Houston for about eighteen months there, and uh, Ojan was so gracious to help me move. It was funny. I had a lot of volunteers to help me move. At first, I thought I had a lot of friends there, but then I thought maybe they were just happy to see me leave. But yeah, it's uh, when I was there in Houston. He's right. I mean, it's just like it's so much. And then only being there 18 months, I mean, obviously you can't taste everything. But I mean, like going to the Asian market there for work. I love walking in somewhere where I have no idea what I'm looking at. I mean, being in food for 20 years, you think, okay, I got a pretty good handle on this. And then I tell you, you go in there, you go, so why is there packaged fish in the dessert aisle? That's weird. You know, what does this even mean? And everything's in another language. You have no idea. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I could definitely see where being there would be awesome. Uh, kind of helping develop your palate, develop, developing the things that you love. <clears throat> because I don't know too many other professions where you get to go out and eat all you want to eat just to learn. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's like a business that, That's the fun right part. <laughs> yeah. Um, Except right, for when so, the bill comes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Um, so in your bio, I had no idea. That's how good of a friend I am. 
So chemical engineer, you're going to yeah. go for chemical engineering, huh? I, you know, I've always been a math guy. Math is like the universal language. Every country you go to, you can always communicate through math. So, um, good point. Through high school, I was, you know, chemistry honors, physics honors, and then uh, I was going to school for my chemical engineering. I was doing all my basics, and I uh, failed calculus three. You're young, you're partying, you work in the restaurant industry, you know, getting off work at one o'clock in the morning, you go and you have a couple of drinks, then you go home and then it doesn't really work out when you got to do homework and study and get prepared for class. But let me just stop you there because failing calculus three is probably the least of your concern <laughs> at three in the morning after doing yeah. that all night. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. So, yes. But no, and I, I dropped the class and then I took it again and uh, I'm sorry, I failed the class and I took it again and then I dropped it because just things weren't working out and I was working too much and, you know, you get serious with, you know, a girlfriend and then all these life things just happen. And so I ended up uh, not being able to go back to uh, school. So I've always been cooking. I took a step back and say, what can I do from here? that still has that chemical thinking and that math thinking. And I said, well, always love cooking. I grew up watching the Frugal Gourmet. I don't know if you're remembering it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, his Absolutely. food was like, for that time was pretty cool. Uh, so I, I, and the day I told my mom, I said, I want to go to culinary school. She's like, why, why do you want to work with your hands? I was like, you know, typical, you know, Persian mother he goes, you need to be a doctor, a lawyer. <laughs> it's, like, it's not going to happen here. Um, but uh, I, I took her to Art Institute and we went up to uh, the fifth floor at that time in the building. And that's where it was. And we we were walking and touring the facility and there was a, uh, a hall. We had all the pictures of all the people that have graduated and where they're working. And I told my mom, I said, I'm going to be on that wall. So I graduated, I, I started going in 98, I graduated in 2000, 2004, when I became, well, I became sous chef at Brennan's in 2003, 2004, they asked me to go take a picture and put it on the wall over there at the club. Nice. So that day was, awesome. it was, it, it was, it was a good day. And I told my mom and she was very, and now my mom is like, very supportive of whatever I do. Oh, know? absolutely. Yeah, proud. So Google me, there. Google me. You'll see my picture there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that because so my grandfather was an orthodontist, like Iwo Jima, you know, war vet. I mean, all the stuff. And he told my mom when I was working at Waffle House, that boy is going to be nothing but a ditch digger, right? And I love my grandfather to pieces, right? But I mean, he was a doctor, self-made, everything. You know, I should have been a doctor. I should have been, I should have followed his shoes, orthodontist, whatever. And, you know, he probably the biggest influence on my life is him. But then, just like you said, as soon as, you know, you become a chef and, and start doing your things and all the, the things that, that come along with it, then it turned into, wow, Jason, you are part of the culinary sciences. And it's like, oh, now, now it's a science, huh? Oh, fantastic. Before, it was just flipping waffles at the Waffle House. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's funny how it changes over like that. No, that's yeah. awesome, man. I love that. That's a great story there. Um, all right. So, so now that you're, uh, you've, you've become an executive chef, done all the things and restaurants, you switch over to Cisco 
as a salesperson. And, you know, when, when I had the role that, that you currently have uh, in Arkansas, when I was in Arkansas, uh, you know, when I say I'm a chef for Cisco Foods, people say, what, what do you cook at Cisco? Yeah. Like, like what? what? What do you need for kangaroo and beans? Yeah. It's all I see is the, all the food truck, was chemicals. You know, the, and, and so so <laughs> yeah. just, just kind of tell us a little bit about that position and what that position is and how you can affect all the people around you. So when I, I came over, like I said, I was a sales consultant or marketing associate. I was a salesperson. And all my buddies were like, oh, you sold out. You went to the dark side. What were you thinking? I was like, you know, at the end of the day, it's Dallas. something... <laughs> Quality of life was what really did it for me. Instead of working 80, 90 hours a week. Yeah. Working out in the field about 50, 55 hours, and then probably another couple at home every night. But uh, my position now, I, I, I was at the right place at the right time. Um, the previous chef here, I knew him from several events that we've done in the Houston uh market for like Shara Strength or No Kid Hungry, events like that, that Cisco was a part of, and I was still on the restaurant side. So when I was doing my orientation, he, he saw me and he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm just doing my orientation. I'm a salesperson now. And he gave me this look and he goes, we'll see. So literally about- I know the look. Yeah, that was a good yeah. impersonation of it, yeah. Uh, about a year later, he asked me, called me out of the blue, and he said, do you want to move into the kitchen? I said, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, he goes, okay, I'm working on some stuff. Two weeks later, uh, he calls me. He goes, okay, I need you to do this visit for me. I'm going to Ireland, visit my mother. I need you to do this visit because the other chef doesn't know what he's doing. And it happened to be a Persian restaurant. So it was like easy. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> he That's set awesome. me up for success and awesome. i didn't know that that was my audition video fantastic um uh, got the position came into the uh the kitchen and transferred and everything and then he sat me down in his office he goes okay six months to a year i'm gonna go to corporate you need to be ready to take over here i said okay let's do it um fast forward a couple of years uh, so many visits that you do, so many customers you see, so many different types of food. And that's where you have to be able to adapt and be able to put on a, a, a good front for the customer that you're talking to. I've done everything from a daycare to a high-end Japanese steakhouse to a high-end French, uh, rest French uh, restaurant, then your diners. I mean, you have to be prepared for everything. You do. Yeah. And this, and this role that you have is like, you have to have a certain type of chef to fill those shoes because to Ojan's point, you can't just be a one faceted chef. You have to be multifaceted no. and know multiple styles of service for this position. Because just like you said, I mean, if I'm just a country club chef and I'm used to spending whatever I want to spend on my budget for food, and then a daycare comes in and says, I have a dollar 47 to spend per child per yeah. day. What can I do? Yeah. And so you have to be able to just roll with it and understand child nutrition and understand, you know, convenience stores and understand just packaging and everything. So it's a, it's a very rewarding job because Ojan and I were talking before uh, we started here and he's working with, you know, a big chain of uh, grocery stores right now and trying to get them set up. So, I mean, that's it's rewarding because once you see those people established and set up, 
and you go in and go, hey, I helped him with that. I helped him with that. That's really good. It's very satisfying as yes. a chef on my side. Uh, when it's actually happen. pretty cool when you uh, when not just you, but your friends go out and they go out to dinner and they can look at a menu like, yeah, Ojen's been here. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that is cool, man. I love that. That's great. That's such a cool thing. And and this position that you have really enables you. There's there's no other position really that would enable you to have that no. uh, that excitement. Play that with freedom. food Monday through Friday. You're still in the game. You get to talk to your buddies. You get to hang out with them. I mean, if they need help, I'm there helping them at night, running their restaurant or, you know, helping them with whatever they need. If they got a catering and they double book themselves. Hey, I got two hands. I got a free night. Let me get back in the game. That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah, it's cool to be able to jump in there and still show people you have the chops, even though you, uh, you know, you sold out type of deal, right? So, um, so we just got a couple more questions here. So one of them, uh, and this is the, probably the deepest one. So, what is the biggest problem you see currently? Uh, being a chef in the industry and then also now a chef on the distribution side of things. If you could say there's one problem right now that is affecting food service uh, and residential people as a whole, uh, what would you say that is? I have kind of two answers for you. Okay. One would be, you know, skilled labor. Yep. Because that's going to affect restaurants. That affects, you know, people can't buy their food from a restaurant because they can't keep up with demand. And I'd hate, I hate to say it, but supply chain right now is just really, really whack. There's Which that's a, kind of a recipe with, for disaster on both sides, right? Yeah, exactly. From a retail standpoint, food service standpoint, and just about anybody who's trying to uh, profit from it or make money on food right now, which is up 30%. I read an article not too long ago that inflation's up like 30 something percent. That's crazy. Yep. And, and then, you know, you go out to eat and we, we all, we all do it, but we've all been to uh, dinner with somebody who does it a little more than the other. Oh, I can't believe how expensive this is. It's like, well, before all this, we know what goes into food service production. We know how, you know, narrow razor thin the margins are anyway in it. Yeah. And then you add 30% inflation to that. And then, I mean, even, I mean, it, it's, it affects the entire world or I know the country for sure. It's, it's it, a snowball effect. Yeah. You walk up you to a what? restaurant and you see a sign that says we can't open tonight because we don't have the staff. Yeah. How sad is that? So and no, you know what? A lot of people were leaving the industry. And you know, when they started shutting down a lot of restaurants, people couldn't, okay, I need money. I need to survive. I need to provide for my family. So mm -hmm. the industry to find other jobs and are they gonna come back? Who knows? They're getting paid more doing other things. And so, restaurant works hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and restaurants had to start paying more and that's something that they were not ready to do yet right. because when you're talking about a three to five percent margin on every dollar sold three to five percent profit on every dollar sold in a restaurant is profit that's after all bills paid that's really tight and then you spike up labor and spike up cost of goods now that three to five percent it's money coming out of your pocket not going in that's right. No, it's uh, it's bad news right now uh, for that, and I'm sure we'll be able to pull ourselves out. I mean, we're a pretty resilient bunch, restaurant crew that is. But um, it's a great answer to that. So, um, all right. So, as a food person, a foodie, um, 
what's a food that you just absolutely cannot stand? Durian. What's that? Durian. Durian. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> if you've yeah. tasted it, you'll know. Yeah. You want to explain what that is? Okay. So uh, that's awful. I cooked, I cooked for about three weeks in Singapore and I don't know who had the idea, but the fruit was in the tree. It fell and landed on somebody's head. They picked it up, said, Oh, let's eat it. <laughs> it um, there's signs posted everywhere in Singapore. If you have durian, you can't go on public transportation and you can't have it in any taxi cab or because it's a very off putting smell. Um, and not only that, when you open it up and you're eating it, the way they describe it is like a blue cheese and rotting onion. So that's a, that how sounds very appetizing is that? Oh, man. And, and they, <laughs> I tried it and there was uh, a glass of water right next to me and I started just chugging the water. Couldn't get that taste out of my mouth. Oh. And then I went for the Coke. There was a can of Coke. And the lady goes, no, 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 you don't eat, you don't drink Coke after you eat durian. I go, why? She goes, it, it, uh, it's a, uh, a bad uh, mixture. It makes a lot of gas. So <laughs> how much pain you'd be in That's awesome. and then drink Coke. Wow. I have to say it's durian. Okay. It, All right. Yeah. Durian it is. With yeah. It. I, I can totally see why. Um, all right, and then, so last question before we get into this uh, mystery basket I'm going to throw at you here. So what is your worst kitchen disaster? We've all had one. Uh, I know what mine is. <laughs> all right, so I was working hot apps at Brennan's, and it was getting really busy. I'm like seven, ten tickets behind, and I'm doing, there was a dish we did over there, and it was a, uh, uh, a foie gras dish. I got my foie gras searing in the pan. I got my frisee and my apples and my pecans. I'm just doing a light saute and I deglaze with brandy. Well, instead of me putting my thumb in front and just doing the professional way, it was a bottle, bottle and I squeezed it like this. And when I released it, the flame went <laughs> into the bottle, shot out of my hand, went across the kitchen, landed in the middle and it was still spinning. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, the brandy rocket. I love yeah. it, man. Yeah. That's great. All right. When you're in a hurry, you just, you just do it to get it over with, man. Oh, man. When you're in a hurry like that, when you're in the weeds, you just, all, all you want to do is get out. All, whatever yeah. it takes, just get out. No, that's good. That's all right. Excellent. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, we're going to jump into this mystery basket. If you liked what you're hearing right here, we're going to do a video on some poached pears uh, later on for Christmas time. Uh, Ojan, if he's a, uh, Available is going to be a part of that and try to stump me just like I'm stumping him right now. But on to the mystery basket. So everybody's seen the shows like Food Network, like Chopped or whatever, been to a competition before maybe where you just open up a mystery basket and whatever's in it is in it and you just have to make the dish out of it. So that's what we're going to do here on the show. I'm going to text Ojan right now. You get your phone with you, Ojan? I got my phone. I've been looking for this text for a while now. All right. So I'm going to send the text right now to him. And he is going to see what's in here. <clears throat> and I want him to walk us through his thoughts as he sees the ingredients and tell us how you would menu it and then how you would execute with these ingredients. All right. So uh, you want to read them off? You want me to? Okay. So <laughs> actually, you know what? This is not bad. This is not bad. I've already got some 
the line. Okay, we have red snapper. We have pine nuts, tricolor cauliflower, uh, basmati rice, grappa, and then this is the one where you, you Pringles. Yeah, can of Pringles. All right. So, <laughs> so and then so Ojan's rules are he has a full pantry. So whatever yeah. he wants to accompany with this and a full equipment uh, kitchen here of whatever his favorite things are. So I want him to kind of I want you to just okay. Walk so let me through. ask you. Is this a flavored Pringle or just just regular Pringle? Straight up potato Pringle. I didn't okay, put any perfect. nasty flavors, no taco, okay. nothing like that. So perfect. Um, with the Pringles, I'm going to crush them up and I'm going to mix them with a little bit of breadcrumb and I'm going to bread the red snapper on one side and just do a nice uh, pan sear with it. So okay. potato crusted red snapper. Oh, yeah. Simple. See how sexy it sounds? I, I like said it. Pringle. Yeah, it's very sexy. Yeah. I said potato crusted. It's like a shaved head sexy. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, the pine nuts and the grappa, I'm going to utilize those together and I'm going to, okay, I'm going to flambe the grappa, get the alcohol out. Get so that. the grappa is, so grappa is uh, an Italian liqueur that's made yeah. basically out of like the leftover bits from winemaking. So the and stems, I mean, the seeds, the stems, all that. Yeah, leftover. Yeah. It's like 60% alcohol. Not that uh we would know it's pretty rough <laughs> so i'm gonna flambe the grappa and with the pine nuts uh i'm going to macerate pine nuts and golden raisins sultanas in that liquid hit it with a little bit of red wine vinegar and make kind of like a warm vinaigrette all right with the uh the raisins and the pine nuts probably add some thyme and some oregano for some herb herbal notes and so you've got the sweet from the raisin, you've got yes. the, the bitter and the sour going on there. And then you've got the, you said the pine nuts in there as well, right? Yes. And that's going to be kind of texture for my, my vinaigrette. And almost it's going to be kind of like a, a broken pesto. Okay. A well emulsified. I want to keep the pine nuts whole. The golden raisins are going to be whole. Uh, the red wine vinegar and the grappa and the herbs. And that's going to be kind of like uh, and a little bit of olive oil to kind of tie it together. And that's going to be my vinaigrette. That's going to go on the red snapper, potato crusted red snapper, potato crusted red snapper, cauliflower. I'm going to shave thin, flash fry, and that's going to be on top as a crunch factor for my uh, red snapper with sauce, potato crusted red snapper, rice. Given all the different flavors I have there. I'm going to take basmati rice, bay leaf. Uh, let's see. Salt, cook it down. And at the very end, uh, put it in a pan so I can get that crispy, uh, in Spain, they call it sucra. Yeah. Rice. On the bottom there of the pan where it kind of caramelizes. And, and that's... I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to serve with my fish. So you got lots of things going on there. You do. But I mean, that just goes to show you how fast the mind of a chef can just translate these items into whatever he can come up with. And typically in these shows like that, you're going through, you have time to move around. It's not under the gun with a camera in your face and some other bald headed dude. You know, so, oh, this is what the grapple is. Da, 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 da. You know, you're able to think <laughs> about it and, and go through it. But I mean, that's how quickly it comes together based on who he is, what he's done in the past, what he is interested in. And if you would give me this, 
I would have done t- something totally different. I mean, I probably would have put it all into a waffle and put in a waffle maker, knowing my waffle house background. Right. I mean, it would have been fine. Everything's great. Everything's. And then we just had some drop of syrup on top. I don't know what it was. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it just goes to show you that food itself is such a wonderful uniter. You know, the kitchen is a place where all the memories are always made because people love food and food is based on the background of the person, what they're interested in, everything else, and just how things are totally different. Ocean's dish sounds fantastic. My dish with the waffle sounds even better. And But it just goes to show you how interesting food and people are when they come together. And that's what I want this show to really just bring to the forefront is food's food and it brings people uh, to the best parts of themselves. Maybe some parts are larger than others as they start eating this food and finding out more about it. But I encourage everybody to get out and get to cooking and find this lost art of cooking at the house, going out, enjoying food, and really supporting those food service workers as well. So, Ojan, I really appreciate your time today, man. No, thank you. Thank you. This was fun. This was really, really fun. Great time. Let me know yeah. when you're ready for me to come back. Oh, all right. <laughs> we got a return guest. All right. That's awesome. So uh, I'm going to turn it back over to Jason now. And uh, man, I uh, can't wait to get on this next uh, episode of Chefing. So uh, awesome show. That was a great, fantastic show, Paul. Did you enjoy that show? Yes, I enjoyed that. Jason, Ojan. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Fantastic show. So I I don't know if you guys noticed, but I kind of started drifting. um, (laughs) Why? Because I started listening to a podcast. uh, And I started doing stuff at my desk because I was Mm. going, I'm enjoying my podcast. And then then I realized, oh, no, I'm part of this. (laughs) So by the way. Uh, that was a fantastic show, and I cannot wait for this. Uh, I cannot wait for next episode. Uh, we'll, we'll have another episode of Chefin in December, so be sure to subscribe uh, so that we can be notified when we get send that new episode out. I want to say a huge thank you to Ojan. I absolutely love the conversation. Um, I've got like five titles in mind uh, just from the things that you said, Ojan, for this episode. It's fantastic. And Jason Knapp, you've been doing a podcast all your life, dude. This was fantastic. So loved it very much. Hey, uh, if you want, in the meantime, you want to catch a, get a hold of us or especially get a hold of Jason Knapp, uh, be sure to uh, look us up at cetrain.isu.edu. That is cetrain at isu.edu. Email us at cetrain at isu.edu or you can call us at 282 that's incorrect 208-208-282-3372 that was an excellent show that was chefing our first uh, episode of this special podcast series uh, offered through sweet talk and that what a fantastic show it was thank you everyone for listening thank you so much and thank you um jason and ojan it was i feel like it was part of something special today